Well, it's that time of the month when we get a bit of a global snapshot of how everyone is doing relative to each other with the PMI reads, which have, not surprisingly, generally weakened. But it's the US that is surprised by being a little worse than expected, and the UK, once again, despite everything, holding up quite well. But it's obviously fuel prices dominating in Europe with the euro below parity all this week so far, with gas pushing higher and higher, and oil back over 100. Does anyone actually know how all this ends, other than, of course, central banks going uber hawkish and hoping that's going to fix it all somehow. It's Wednesday, the 24th of August, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has fallen back half a percent on the DXY. Against that, the euro is up a quarter percent, but continues to spend this week below parity with the US dollar. The pound is up half a percent. The Aussie dollar up three quarters of one percent, up to 69.3 US cents. The Japanese yen has climbed back half a percent too. US stocks are mixed, generally down though. The Nasdaq ending flat on the day. The Dow down half a percent. The S&P 500 losing 0.1 percent. And no good news for equities in Europe either. 0.6 percent dropping the FTSE 100 almost a 0.3% drop in the CAC current and the and the DAX. Energy stocks are, are, are doing well, but other than that, as you might imagine, uh, generally the direction is down. But bond yields continue to push higher, up four basis points for 10-year treasuries to 3.05%. Two-year yields have uh, backed down a couple of basis points, with six points added onto 10-year gilt yields in the UK, up to 2.57%. At the end of the day yesterday, the Aussie 10-year yields were up six basis points to 3.57%, up a few more points since then on futures. And oil, much higher. Brent has added 3.8%. It's back over $100 a barrel. WTI is up 3.6%. Dutch gas futures, well, they've come down a fair bit from €290 per megawatt hour early in the session down to 260 but that's still crazily high of course and German electricity a lot of which is derived from gas is sky high too it's up to 640 euros per megawatt hour in the year ahead price it was over 700 on Monday and it was 240 at the beginning of June that is how much things are going up so no subtlety at all in the moves on energy Ray Atrell joins me uh, from NAB in Sydney course, it's not just households being hit with these higher energy prices. If these energy prices remain, then companies are going to struggle, aren't they, to uh, produce stuff. We're going to see production fall. So how does Europe cope if it sees its balance of trade fall even further than it has already this year? I mean, it's uh, whichever way you look at it, it's, it's not a bright future for Europe, is it right now? No, absolutely. Good morning, Phil. So uh, I think it is, you know, it's rightly front and centre. And it's sort of at the, you know, it, it, it is the principal reason that uh, you know we've got sort of recession seemingly baked in the cake as far as um, the eurozone and the uk particularly in terms of the hit that um, that it is already taking on real incomes and is, is expected to uh, to take a much bigger bite even if it's yet to show up in the in the in the really hard economic data at least so um, you know mm. it is it is the thing and you know seeing those oil prices back over uh, Brent back over $100 isn't it overnight so even if you say a little bit of relief on the gas prices but it's still you know we're still at thereabouts <laughs> at, uh, at record highs aren't yeah. we and uh, Saudi Arabia apparently is responsible for the jump in oil prices saying that um, it's concerned that oil prices don't reflect supply and demand fundamentals so uh, didn't joe biden go to um, Jeddah a couple of weeks ago that was a wasted to, affair uh, wasn't it hatch out a, an agreement for for Saudi to pump more oil well um mm. that went well didn't it but yeah. um but that's the reason that we've got this three and what is it three and a quarter three and a half dollar uh, jump in in oil prices overnight and uh, presumably as i uh, say in the intro i guess the 
the energy sector is holding up the broader stock market as a result. But um, yeah, yes, it's uh, it, it's the right thing to be focused gas, on. Sure. Gas prices actually fell in the United States, but that was because, and that doesn't help Europe because uh, there's delays in reopening the Freeport LNG export terminal in Texas, uh, which accounts for about twenty percent of U.S. Uh, LNG exports, and obviously a lot of those were going to be bound for uh, bound for Europe. So uh, so you know that's not good for <laughs> either side of the Atlantic there. But the interesting thing is. Even though we're saying, well, you know, isn't it crazy how expensive energy is becoming? If we look at the PMIs for, for Europe, manufacturing PMIs for the euro area and for Germany, better than anticipated. Now, still in negative territory in Germany's case, it's actually up a little on July, isn't it? 49.8 versus 49.3 back in July, still in negative territory. So it's still getting worse. It's just not getting worse as quickly as expected, if, if there's any consolation to be taken from that. I think that's probably the best that can be said. And uh, you know, without mm. making any of our um, commuter listeners miss their stop by reading out all of the PMIs, um, you know, if you sort of look at manufacturing is one thing, but remember, most developed economies, the service sector is much bigger than the manufacturing sector. And if I look down, so, you know, just uh, I will read a small list, but if I look at starting with Australia yesterday with uh, their PMIs, not as not, not a particularly widely <clears throat> uh, looked at release, but, uh, but they do have the equivalent numbers. Look at Japan, look at France, look at Germany, look at the Eurozone, um, look at the U.S., all sub 50 on the composite readings. So actually, you know, where we did see some sort of overs on the manufacturing side, um, in most cases, we saw weaker than expected numbers on the service side. And the one exception it's is the UK. the UK. So the UK yeah, is the only uh, PMI with a, a plus, with one above 50, 50.9, albeit down from 52.1. But, um, and then, uh, but say everybody else is, the overall economy is in outright contractionary territory if we, take those numbers literally, although certainly in the US, um, you know, we had a similar sort of big downside surprise, didn't we, last month, which wasn't replicated in the, uh, you know, the more established and important ISM surveys. So yeah. we've had a little bit of caution there. But um, if I look at markets, uh, a lot of the moves that we'll, we'll talk about uh, momentarily uh, did stem from that uh, big downside surprise on the, um, the US services PMI, 44.1 down from... Uh, 47.3 when it was was expected to bounce yeah. back to close to 50 which is a 20 27 month low that that is so that's uh weak client demand lower new orders so uh, uh i guess that the, the, the one positive as far as the fed will take out of that is that, that means that uh, companies have scaled back their hiring efforts so employment rose at the lowest pace in uh, for so far this year uh, so that's a sign of weakness that the Fed is presumably wanting to see. So this, is, is, this a, is this a case, one of those situations we've been talking about so much lately that bad news is good news? Well, interestingly, I've just been struck by a comment from one of the ECB governing council members, Panetta, who's, uh, the quote is, recession would mitigate inflation pressures. Doesn't he let the cat out of the bag there? <laughs> Of, uh, like, like, central banks around the world saying talking about a narrow landing strip for a soft landing and recession is mm. is a possibility um you know i think that is to me is a a refreshing dose of honesty that uh, central banks um you know do believe that uh, almost certainly recession is going to be part of the solution to uh, to getting finally on top of this inflation problem and inevitably that's going to mean weaker labor markets and probably higher unemployment which in turn will you know will will head off the the wage inflation and the so-called second round effects that are uh, striking fear into the hearts of uh, of central bankers or have been for for many months now 
Yeah. So that's Europe. So does that mean Europe? I, I mean, are the Fed going to say the same thing, or, or do they not need to? I mean, is that a is that a situation just for for Europe? Do you think? Because we because we're looking at the, uh, the the US data. We mentioned the PMIs not looking terrific with those service numbers being down so low. Actually, down below where it is in Europe, the Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index has lurched into negative territory as well, from zero in July to minus eight in August. Mind you, it was minus nine in May and June, so July was a bit of a uh, an odd month. But it's uh, you know that's that that's not looking good either. And then you've got uh, home sales. Uh, looking a bit of a disaster as well. So the US is not shaping up that well. No, it isn't. So I think that it's it's, it's been a night of, of, of relativities. I think mm. you know who's the you know we're so used to talking about the uh, the least ugly duckling or the least dirty shirt in the laundry, and, and almost every day we say, well, you know, things might not be great in the US, but they're not as bad as they are in the rest of the world. Just on the night, I'd say that uh, the US numbers collectively. Uh, are worse than other parts of the world. And that message hasn't been lost on markets. So, you know, we have seen the likes of two-year Treasury yields uh, actually falling. And we saw quite a big fall in 10-year yields as well in the immediate aftermath, particularly of those uh, those PMI numbers. So, um, you know, to, the, to, that, to that point, it is the case that if, you know, we're all sort of used to talking about, yes, everything's saying we're going to have a recession in the US, but it's it's probably a 2023 affair, not 2022, if it's going to occur. But if, um, you know, if, if the evidence mounts that actually, you know, we might see, um, you know, the US economy showing more signs of recession before the end of the year, it does play to that view. Well, you know, maybe the Fed's not going to go quite as hard as we think. And maybe that thought that um, that the Fed could be cutting rates in the second half of next year, um, you know, which has certainly been undermined by much of the Fed speak in recent days, sort of comes back onto the agenda a little bit. So I think to some extent that, that's been reflected in markets, um, certainly showing up in a bit of a reversal of the US dollar strength that we've seen since uh, sort of the middle of last week, at least. And uh, and uh, sterling is the, um, it looks about just about one of the strongest G10 currencies overnight, um, you know, and, and its numbers have been, uh, have been quite good. One thing I might add on the UK though, you know, PMI numbers aside, I've seen that the CBI um, survey, that's the, uh, you know, the British Confederation of Industry has got its uh, its trend survey has got another big jump in selling prices, and its orders number has slumped to minus seven from plus eight. So, um, mm. very very premature to say that yeah. uh, the UK is in relatively better shape than anybody else. And is there is there uh, can things balance out in uh, in the US more than they can in Europe? I'll give you an example of why I'm asking that question. So, if you look at US home sales, well below expectations. So, five hundred eighty five thousand sales in June down uh, down to five hundred. 11,000 in July, which is a 12.6% drop month on month. Uh, but there's still plenty of housing inventory. So prices are dropping. There's still lots of new houses to sell. Not all of them have been finished yet. Actually, lots of them, are, for some reason, they counted even though they haven't been started. But the, the inventory is there. The five-year mortgage rate now, according to the St. Louis Fed, is 5.13%. I mean, it was close to 5% in 2018. So it's higher, but it's not, you know, hugely higher. If you're getting a cheaper house then uh, maybe they'll reach a point where those prices will stop falling. So things balance out. There's the potential for the US to hit that sort of level. Whereas in Europe, if you just look and you go, well, companies are going to have to stop producing stuff because energy prices aren't showing any signs of slowing. You know, there's, you, you, you're not going to reach that equilibrium quite so quickly in Europe, are you? I mean, there's, there's a, a lot more um, turbulent waters in, in Europe than potentially there is in the US. Maybe the US has just seen the worst of it. 
Well, possibly, but I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wood to chop. I think as far as the housing market is concerned, particularly with respect to prices. So yes, as the prices are starting to fall, but um, you know, given the, the the decline in activity and as you mentioned, that big rise in inventories, uh, we're probably only at the beginning of a of a downward uh, cycle as far as house prices are concerned. So um, you know, and and you know, the good news, if you like, there is that uh, obviously. You know, one of the biggest single drivers of the rise that we're seeing in underlying inflation has been um, effectively rents and what we call owner equivalent rents. What could you rent your house out for? Um, you know, and, and that really lags house prices and prices have still been pretty high in, in terms of annual increases. If they're now mm. going to go outright negative, then that should ultimately feed through into uh, into lower rents and obviously with higher inventory levels as well that also plays to that view right. so it is so it it's great news again. in the sense yeah. that um you know that there, we have got one you know potentially uh, disinflationary force that will that will play out over a relatively long period of time right. but, Europe, but the Europe impact of it could that. be pretty significant and uh, yeah so the housing dynamics i guess are, are pretty different in, in other parts of the world particularly yeah. europe so uh, today we get uh, durable goods orders uh, in the US. So uh, I guess they're expected to slow. Uh, well, you know, maybe it's confirmed that things are perhaps getting worse in the United States. And Neil Kashkari, the uh, Minneapolis Fed president, is talking during a Q&A session. So it'll be interesting what he's got to say. But of course, everyone's just hanging out to see what Jerome Powell's got to say at, at, at Jackson Hole. Uh, I mean, is he going to be super hawkish? Or is this weakening data mean that he might, uh, you know, be a little bit milder and uh, the markets start to get excited or confused again? Well, who knows? But, but clearly, you know, the commentariat, um, I guess we're part of that, aren't we, really? <laughs> you know, have just been, you know, filling the news wires with, you know, markets are moving in anticipation of a hawkish speech from Fed's Chair Powell on, uh, it will be the early hours of Saturday morning, actually, in Australia. Um, uh, you know, equities have been selling off. Um, you know, the dollar's been rising. Um, you know, bond yields have, for, for the most part, have been, have been back in the ascendancy. So you do wonder, you know, whether there's a risk that uh, you know, we're buying the rumour and we'll sell the news. But um, so so we, we just don't know. You know, I'm sure there'll be a, a degree of hawkishness there. Will Neil Kashgari let the cat out of the bag? I suspect he hasn't seen the speech yet. So, um, But it's interesting that he has turned from one of the uber doves um, on the FOMC to, to being sort of far more in the, you know, in the sort of consensus stroke hawkish camp of late. And I think he's on at nine o'clock uh, this morning. Running times mm. so certainly be worth a, you know worth a listen at least anyway, and we've also got uh, pending home sales, which tend to be a bit of a lead indicator for uh, for existing and new home sales. So they're like probably more uh, gloom and doom from the housing market there. And as you say, durable goods orders um, they were actually up two percent in June and expected to be up a little bit. So uh, you know, in that sense, that is one of the um, you know one of the slightly brighter brighter spots in the U.S. economy still. Right, but it is just energy prices in Europe just. Uh driving everything at the moment isn't it absolutely uh good to talk ray uh we will catch you again very soon thanks well do thanks phil and that is the morning call for this wednesday morning i'll be back with another member of the commentariat <laughs> tomorrow morning uh, i'm phil dobby for now enjoy your day see you in the morning <laughs>